And welcome to another edition of The Tigers Down Under. I'm your host, as always, Alex. And with me tonight, I have Logan. How are you, Logan? Good evening, Alex. I'm doing well. Uh, it's been a good week and obviously uh, pretty exciting to talk about a, a win. And it uh, almost feels like it's been a, an age since we, we got to chat about some positive city news. Yeah, absolutely. First away win since uh, January 1st, I think it is, which is pretty remarkable and and another clean sheet to boot. So we will kick off with that game against Gillingham. And um, uh, yeah, I want to get your thoughts on, I guess, to start with the quality of the opposition and, and you know, with no necessary, necessarily with no disrespect to Gillingham, but were you as surprised as I was at the sort of calibre of opposition that we face in this game and, and sort of... Um, the, the, the sense of what we've got to expect in League One going forward? Interestingly enough, I, I kind of, it, it was pretty close to what I think I, I did expect in, in my okay. head. Um, I, I knew that the, the talk about uh, some of these regional grounds that we would be visiting uh, were going to be very different to what I guess we're used to and have grown accustomed to over the last decade, particularly uh, in the, the likes of playing Premier League football and, and championship. Um, with all due respect, there are some smaller championship teams who probably have punched above their weight and have crept into the, the tail end of the championship. But I, I guess it was pretty close to what I expected. And um, I, I guess we, we see that in the reflection of the side that we put out. Uh, again, if we compare them to, to City teams over the past few years, um, it, it is quite a quite a short um, step in, in regards to the quality, I guess. And uh, it's very clear to to us that the team that we're uh, producing is nowhere near the the caliber of those sides, but at the same time uh, may suit this league quite well. Yeah, and look, it, it sort of reminded me a little bit of our return to the championship under Steve Bruce, where we I think went to Huddersfield first up, or they came to us, and and funnily enough, won two nil as well. Um, where you know you sort of look at that first game and you think. It could go one of two ways. We've just been relegated from the, the, the higher division. We could continue that form slump on and, and really struggle in this first game back. Or, or we can put a marker down and say, look, you know, we're, we're not going to be in this division for long. We want to really stamp our authority, show what we're made of. And, you know, 16 shots to six for the game, six on target to one shot on target. Goal after three minutes to Lewis Potter. It couldn't have been a better start to the season for us. Absolutely not. I think that that kind of summed it up. I think three minutes into the game to find yourself 1-0 up away from home, uh, particularly when we really grew accustomed to City slipping at the start of games in particular at the back end of that championship season. Uh, it was it was quite a shock to the system, but a, a very welcome one. Yeah, definitely. Um, what, what were your, I guess, apart from uh, Lewis Potter scoring the opening goal, what were your main takeaways from the game uh, in terms of positives, I guess? I mean, for me personally, I think, um, you know, you look across the board, I don't think there was a particularly weak performance out there, which I guess was a really good positive. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think the, the two takeaways for me, and I know you said, uh, apart from Ken Lewis Potter, I think that <laughs> yeah. he was a really exciting um, thing for us. And I think, just given the fact that we saw glimpses of, uh, glimpses of that in the last season, uh, there was a real excitement from the City fans, I think, uh, particularly when he scored against uh, Birmingham, I think it was. Mm. Um, we had that, that, great, that great win. 
And I guess from there, he just kind of fizzled or wasn't given the, the playing time that we kind of thought that if he had have been uh, provided, he may have kicked on a little bit. So to see him kind of hit the ground running was a, a huge takeaway. And I guess I think the other one that really stood out for me was George Honeyman in the middle. Uh, I think that in the championship, he he can struggle on, on days. I think he has the same kind of work rate, but the quality isn't always there and you can see him kind of get bullied off the ball a lot and particularly in the role that we need him to play. Uh, he's not always, I, I guess, uh, uh, able to control the midfield in the in the same manner that we've expected, but I thought he did that really well against Gillingham and, uh, again, if that's the calibre of teams that we're playing, the exciting thing for me is he could be a huge asset in this division. Yeah, um, look, it was funny before the game, I think there was an article with um, McCann where he sort of said at the moment, um, well, sorry, I think the article was a few days ago where he said at the moment supporters can't really trust anything he says. They've got to put the actions out on the pitch. Um, but then I think before the game, there was an article basically saying that Lewis Potter might have to bide his time, wasn't necessarily going to start every game or, or start as much as fans might have wanted him to. And um, and 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 then of course he he's in the starting lineup and we think okay well actually yeah we we can't really believe anything you say it was it was a great positive surprise to see him in the lineup were you were you expecting it for the first game of the season I, I don't know if I was expecting it mainly on the back of that story but regardless I think that they're the types of things that uh, McCann also talked about the the idea that. Um, it's now time for them to kind of prove their worth to the fans and, and reacquaint themselves. So uh, playing someone like Lewis Potter, who obviously has uh, endeared himself to the fans and they do want to see more of, regardless of what he says in press conferences, if mm. he's on the team sheet, um, but, you know, that's an exciting prospect for us. So I, I wasn't hugely surprised that, that he was there because I think he's definitely um, a, a starting striker in this league. But uh, the fact that he was included was, uh, uh, you know, I, I guess the, the cherry on, on the top of the cake. At the other end of the pitch, another positive performance from um, Matt Ingram, who who really is sort of cementing his spot as a starting keeper. I It'd be interesting to see. We'll talk a bit later about the Leeds game, whether Long gets a start in that one. But but Ingram's certainly proving that you know it's um, it's his position to lose. Absolutely, and I think that uh, on the back of uh, the again the back of last season with George Long, uh, it was really hard for for the City fans to kind of acquaint themselves with him, and became a, a cause of much frustration, particularly being on the back of some of those uh, those hidings. So. The opportunity is certainly there for Ingram. And as you said, he hasn't really put a foot wrong um, thus far. So um, long may that continue. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and look, I guess the other real positive for me was um, Josh Emmanuel at right back, who again, just hasn't put a foot out of place in his first couple of games for City. And it's funny, I mean, he signed on the same day as Louis Coyle. And we, I guess we sort of naturally assumed that Coyle was going to be that first choice starting right back. And, and Emmanuel was sort of his, his understudy. And um, I guess by fortune um, on Emmanuel's part that Coyle had that two-game suspension to start the season. He he sort of started the the games um, ahead of Coyle for the time being, and and it looks like he's another one where um, it's 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 really his spot to lose at the moment because he's just being fantastic in that in that right spot. He's he's marauding up the field really well. He seems to have a really um, uh, good sort of ball control. Like, it, it's hard to explain, but I guess, I mean, like he, he, when he's running with the ball, he just looks so assured on, on the ball and, and really hard to sort of dislodge from it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and found himself in some really positive areas mm. too. That's uh, one of the things 
that uh, certainly escaped us in the in the previous season was just having that uh, that lack of assurance from uh, what those players in those back positions were giving us. I know that it was unsettling with the players that didn't return, and uh, there was a, a kind of a lot of makeshift positions where people were uh, forced to play out of position. But to see uh, him come in and, and play the way he did on on Saturday it was fantastic. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then I guess you know on, on the other end of things. Uh, whilst I wouldn't say that anyone had a particularly poor performance, I thought um, Fleming and Wilkes probably faded a bit in and out of the game. They weren't as um, as um, as as prolific or, or or sort of making their way around the ground as much as um, other players, um, such as Emmanuel or Lewis Potter and and others in those positions. But how, how did you see the squad? What what areas of improvement did you see in the performance? I- I think because of the yardstick in the in the fact that it was was Gillingham and it's it's such a difficult leg for us to kind of comment on. This almost mm. feels like it's a recalibration of such, um, given the fact that it is a, a totally new look team um, with, I guess, a, a very new look uh, set of objectives as well. Um, I, I haven't really read too much into it. I, I would love to give some you know, in-depth analysis, but I yeah. think that... In that first 90 minutes, it's it's really hard for us to tell at this point as to where we do need to strengthen, um, and also what plays we're kind of looking for to to grab those those opportunities. But as you mentioned with Emmanuel and and Coyle and whether Kane Lewis Potter starts, all those kind of things. What what I will say is it's a really positive start to the season, knowing that there are already players who are are fighting for positions, and I think that that can only be a healthy thing, uh, particularly when you're, you're starting a season, but it, there's almost a, a, an error or a change in um, in the the feel around the place, given the fact that we have got guys fighting for positions, and it's not so much of a we ha- almost have to play that person because if they don't play there, uh, who else have we got type thing, which it certainly felt like as we uh, lost a few people towards the back end of last year. Yeah, absolutely, and and obviously um, having dropped down a division, you could argue the caliber of players maybe dropped. But that that aside, I mean the the fact that we now have quite a deep squad, and and you're quite right. Towards the end of last season, we had no right backs, so regardless of their caliber, we had no right backs who could start the games for us. So it was whoever was available or whoever was able to play there, and we now have two really quality right backs, whether it's for this division or or the championship, really. Um, so it's fantastic to see that depth. And, and I think in a long season as we have ahead of us where we could be playing upwards of 55 games, um, taking into account all the other league trophies and, and things like that, having a deep squad is going to be a really valuable thing. And look, we, we made another addition um, in the last couple of days who we'll talk about in just a second. But just before we move off of this game, um, you know, I will say as well, it, it was remarkable to to learn that I think uh, Gillingham had one loss in their last 15 games or something like that at the back end of last season. So you talk about not really having a sense of this league and what the yardstick is and all that sort of thing. And and you're quite right, like Gillingham could have an awful season this year and go down and we've just played one of the relegation teams. And, and there's, 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 it's hard to get a sense of, um, of the league until things start to settle in in about five or six games. But on the face of things and how they were last season, it was a tremendous performance. Um, so just before we move off the game, um, what we're going to start doing each week is we'll try and do a 3-2-1 of our most valuable players in the match. We could have the same three players. We could have different players. And I'll sort of try and tally it up. And, and at the end of the season, we'll have our own sort of MVP award for whoever that player is. So 
I'll let you go first if you've got three players that come to mind as um, most valuable for the game. Yeah, so I, I think the three points has to be Emmanuel, as you've already spoken about. He, he was fantastic. He, he was everywhere. He got into those really good areas. Um, my two points probably goes to Honeyman. I thought that he was probably a little bit weak on some of his set pieces um, throughout the game, but I thought just his, his overall kind of uh, pressure and um, I guess the way he did control the midfield, I thought he had a pretty good game, particularly um, given the fact that I feel like I've been a really harsh critic of his in the in the start of this calendar year. So I thought he was fantastic. And then I'll probably give it to um, Lewis Potter purely for the goal um, and also the fact that he, he still did have a pretty handy game himself. But um, as you mentioned, that I think that goal in the first three minutes really um, just kind of springboarded us and, and got us moving, which was um, really crucial in the in the scope of the, the 90 minutes. Yeah, look, and I've gone pretty similar to you. I, I've, again, I agree, Emmanuel for the three votes. He's, he was just, you know, everywhere on the ground at times in the match and, and was a really vital cog in, in what we were trying to do. Um, I, I've given the two to Ingram partly just because I think it, it's, and look, it's no slight on Long because when Long was in form last season, he was a fantastic keeper for us. But the way he finished that campaign and the fact that Ingram is giving him that competition it's uh, which i think was your emphasis before was a really vital one which is having this competition around the pitch just really elevates players games so ingram had a tremendous game for mine and, and got the two votes and then as you said uh lewis potter for the one i think the 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 speed with which we scored can't be undersold on how important that was that it really settled the nerves for the players and really got us going uh and settled us settled us into the game and and he's going to be a fantastic player for us. I, I just really hope that he's going to at least get to start for the time being, um, having scored that goal, give him a bit of confidence, give him a run in the side and, and see what he can produce. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that you're probably not alone in, in that viewpoint. It would be really nice to see him kick on and, um, and, and score the kind of numbers of goals that we you know, do believe that he's capable of doing. Absolutely. Um, well, I, I sort of alluded to it before. Um, we'll move on to talk about uh, the off-field news that we've had in the last week. And um, the first bit of news was the signing of uh, Thomas Meyer, who was a, a free agent um, playing in the second division in Austria last season at Austria Lustenau, I believe it's pronounced. Um, he, he scored six goals and had 11 assists. So as a, as a winger, that's a pretty uh, solid return. And um, I, I don't have a strong knowledge of the Austrian second division, so I don't know what the quality is like there. But if it's anything sort of com- comparable to League One, then that's a it's a pretty handy player that we've picked up on a, on a free transfer and, and yet another player who's adding a bit of depth and giving some pressure in those forward positions. And um, at the moment, I guess we've got, what, Scott, Samuelson and Wilkes. So just adding another player to that mix is is a really vital thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was a, a, a signing that I think it's fair to say that nobody saw coming. And mm. uh, and McCann was very tight-lipped on on who it was as well. Um, there was a lot of kind of um, speculation that there was a winger arriving. And um, it certainly Thomas Mayer wasn't the, the name that, uh, that he, we seemed to be linked with. And uh, when he got announced, I think it was somewhat of a shock, which perhaps could be a sign of, uh, of some of the things to expect in, in being in League One, that uh, the radar, I guess, for players... Uh, seems to be uh, far wider spread as far as our recruitment goes and, and the players that we are looking to sign. But um, I guess he'll he'll have his time. And as you said, he goes into a pool of players who will be fighting really hard for uh, for those positions, but does kind of indicate that 
we do have a little bit of depth in the squad um, required for, like you said, playing potentially up to 55 games or so. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 you as you sort of alluded to there, there was a bit of uh, speculation that we were looking to sign Randall Williams from Exeter. Um, interestingly, in the last 24 hours or so, the um, Peterborough chairman who... We've been sort of battling with Peterborough on potentially signing the player, and, and there was a bit of news that he was sort of edging further towards Peterborough than to us. The uh, the Peterborough chairman came out and, and, I mean, he said on Twitter that they weren't interested in signing him. I don't know how how much you can take him at his word. Um, but McGann did say after the game that we had agreed a fee for a player, which suggests that it wasn't Thomas Mayer um, who we were who we'd agreed that fee for. So the speculation was that it was Williams. Um, and and so he he had scored five goals and had 14 assists for Exeter last season. So he's another one with a, a pretty prolific return, um, especially in terms of assists. Um, it would be a pretty valuable addition and, and a, a, you know, a player who knows the division quite well um, and would be a pretty handy pickup if we can get him. Yeah, he certainly sounds like quite the player. I think it's a somewhat humbling experience for a lot of the City fans. And I, I'll say this respectfully is... The fact that we're in a, a perceived battle uh, for a trade battle with uh, with Peterborough probably shows, um, you know, the extent of, of how far we've fallen in in regard to the the kind of pull that players uh, see when they're looking uh, for a club, whether where they rank City or um, versus the rest of the, I guess, the teams in the division. So, uh, you know, it, I think a year ago, uh, if you found that we were going to get edged out to a signing by Peterborough, you would have would have had a heart attack. But I think. Um, it's a, a good reality check uh, for us to see where we're at. And I think that if the Williams signing was to come off, that would be a fantastic one for um, uh, just, the, the again, the depth in the squad and, and the type of player with um, with good numbers that um, present really positive um, opportunities to kind of make make their mark on, on this team and, and really push for the, the top end of, of League One, which is where we, we should be aiming to finish. Yeah, so that that's one to watch over the next few days. I suspect um, with the sale of Lopez, which I think went through just after we'd recorded last week. So there always seems to be a player movement right after these podcasts go to air because we had uh, Lopez last week and I think we signed... Um, um, oh, name's gone out of my head now. Southampton player that we signed, Alfie... Got his last name. Anyway, we signed him from uh, Southampton the week before, so there's always seems to be a bit of a transfer music transfer news right after the podcast airs. So we'll see what happens with that one. Um, in other off-field news, however, we we have had the interesting news today around potential attendances back at the KCOM um, ahead of our first home game for the season against Crew Alexandra this weekend. Um, I think the EFL has been looking at doing sort of trial matches where you can have up to a thousand supporters in the stadium. Presumably, you basically have family units sitting together and spread out far enough apart that it's it's deemed pretty safe. Um, a thousand supporters isn't a huge atmosphere, but any sort of atmosphere, any sort of um, po- positive home support could only be a good thing for the side. And it's pretty exciting news to potentially start to get supporters back at games. What did you make of this? Yeah, I think it's probably the first step in um, in, in the right direction as the returning to normal goes. But I think it's it's really interesting knowing that the the fabric of football in in the country of England and, and what it means to the people, uh, just not having that... Um, that opportunity or that outlet on on weekends to go to games, um, you can see how much it, it kind of affects those communities. And um, as you said, only a thousand people. You you look at it and going, 
it is such a small number in this game of the capacity of certainly our ground. But um, I guess that, as you said, any number is is going to be uh, effective. And I think that for the players to instead, uh, you know, be playing in front of the the empty seats and the recorded um, noises and the crowd sounds, uh, yeah, it would it would make a huge difference. I also imagine that. The way that those a thousand people would be would be scattered, they would still have quite a good uh, positioning around the, the stadium. So, uh, I guess when we think about things like the Upper West End and things uh, and places like that, that that don't really get any use anyway, um, if you can concentrate those thousand people in a, in a way uh, around the stadium that gives it, um, you know, some kind of atmosphere, as you said, it would be far better than nothing. So, a really positive step, and and I do hope that. Um, that they are able to to roll it out reasonably quickly, quickly, and it does become a um, a positive step forward without any any cases or anything that um, causes too much disruption or setback. Uh, but it would be great to see. Yeah, and look, as you say, I mean, it, it's it's not only the the club and 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 um, revenue streams for the club or anything like that that's impacted by no crowds. It's obviously the pubs and the fooderies and things like that around the ground. So as crowds start to come back to games, it will sort of start to see that boost back to the economy, which will be great to see. Um, mm. Speaking from my own experience, I, I got to go along to a um, an Aussie rules game here a couple of months ago, I guess, just as our first wave was ending. And there was about 200 of us there. And, and like you say, I mean, um, you're, you're pretty scattered around the area, but any sort of noise, any sort of support for the club is is always going to be preferred to the sort of um, pre-recorded noises that you get through the TV. So, Look, it'll be great if we can get supporters back and, and if it's as soon as this weekend, that's a fantastic step in the right direction and just fingers crossed, as you say, that um, it's all done safely and, and there's no uptick in cases, there's no issues with people's health and, and it can all just proceed um, in a positive manner. And it was Alfie Jones. I did remember his last time as we were talking. It's always um, the case you have a blank whilst trying to think of someone's name but um look we'll move on from the off-field discussion then and um as we did last week we'll do a player review every week this season we'll look back at a city player uh, on their career so far with city and sort of assess where they're at and uh, think back on some of the positive moments that we've had with that player and this week we're looking at Jordy device who had a somewhat um ill-forgotten spell as captain towards the end of last season which was probably the one blemish on his city career to date um but signed for £300,000 as, as a pretty um, unheard of player from the Netherlands and uh, took a little while to settle in in his first season as is sort of expected um, with those foreign signings. Um, but then has, has really stepped up and, and had a fantastic career with City over the last couple of seasons. So um, how, how have you seen his City career so far, Logan? Yeah, I, I guess mixed is probably the the, the right word. I think that when I try to sum Jordy Device up and, and the qualities or characteristics that I really enjoy about him is his physical presence, obviously. Um, he's, he's big and he's strong. And um, as you mentioned, he, he's really struggled in that leadership role um, when he, he's had, the, the I guess, the captain's armband. But his leadership in the way that he plays is actually a really strong thing um, for him. He, he certainly brings a presence about him that I don't think, particularly on the current um, roster at at, um, at City that anybody else really has in, in, in that kind of um, area or that strength that, that he does. So I think he's in a league of his own in that way uh, in some respects. He, he certainly had a career that's uh, been marred by injury um, in mm-hmm. his 
he said his shirt, he's, he's still played a little bit, um, but it's it's definitely been inconsistent where uh, he goes on some pretty good runs. And I think that um, one of the things that stood out for me is to, when we were kind of looking to sum him up, was when he did get injured, um, I think it was maybe halfway through the back end of last season and, and then the COVID um, uh, stoppage happened. Uh, there was this real um, kind of assurance of at least when we return to the field, um, Geordie Device will be injured and that would be really helpful for our, our run in. And uh, as, as history has it, uh, it wasn't. But uh, yeah. just just the fact that he is a player who we've watched enough and have, have kind of had feelings of being able to to feel safe and have that confidence of when he's in the team, um, he, he does offer offer a lot. Um, particularly at this level, I think that um, whilst it's been a mixed mixed career, if he stays fit um, and we're able to to obviously hold on to him, um, he, he could really have a huge future in, in a city shirt, particularly in um, in League One. I think that he's the type of player that would just be a, an absolute harrowing uh, menace for the prospect of other teams coming to the KCOM and knowing that that he's in the side. It's certainly going to be um, a strong player that would be hard to beat. Um, yeah, so I, I do. I like him. I, I think that he's he's had, a, uh, as I said, a mixed career, but there's there's so many attributes about Geordie Device that um, we would be silly to kind of uh, write off, um, despite the fact that it hasn't always gone the way that we've expected it to go with Geordie. Yeah, yeah. And look, I, to be honest, I'm I'm really surprised that he's still with us this season. I think um, in the off season there was a fair bit of rumours going around that he was off to the MLS. I think at one point he deleted all of the city posts off his of his, his social media so there was a lot of speculation that it, there was a pretty imminent move so he's still with us and and that's fantastic if he's fully committed to city and he wants to be here then that's great um he seems to have started the season pretty well um and you know look as you say i think at this level him and burke is a really solid partnership in defense i don't think there's a whole lot of teams that would have a better central defensive partnership than those two um, so I think it could be a really fantastic season for him. Um, he, he's got 15 clean sheets over his City career and three goals. And I think my favourite memory of him is probably one of those three goals, which was the winner against Wigan a couple of seasons ago, where he, he scored the goal and you felt like the club for the first time in quite a while was was really kind of united and, and all of the supporters getting behind the team as he celebrated that goal. I think it was a goal to put us pretty close to the playoff places under Adkins. And there was that sort of sense that we might be starting to build something. And as unfortunately it wasn't the case, but at the time it was just a, a fantastic moment. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's probably the, the most memorable moment I also share with, with him in a city shirt. But I think it also comes back to, as you mentioned, that £300,000 um, kind of uh, cost that we bought him for. Uh, that For that price tag, I think that he's um, easily worth uh, worth that and, and probably more. So um, as far as his business with City, um, he has been a really astute signing. Absolutely. Well, we'll look ahead now. We do have two clashes coming up, the first of which is tomorrow morning out. I'm sort of 4.45 a.m. will be a, a tough rise for any Australian supporters getting up for the game. I'm, I'm going to make the best effort to get up for it. It's going to be a, a fantastic clash against Premier League opposition. I don't know how many chances we're going to get to play a Premier League side this season, so especially one with as much of a heated rivalry as Leeds. Um, uh, you know, looking at their squad, we know their manager, Marcelo Bielsa, who, who's, who's done a, a good job with them. He's got them finally up to the Premier League, a job that many managers found impossible before him. Um, 
strong Premier League squad. I, I, I guess there's not much to say about their squad. It, it's quite clearly a superior squad to ours. Um, on their day, they would be superior to us. But I guess the fact that, you know, they lost their first game to Liverpool 4-3, um, they'll be looking at this League Cup game perhaps as a distraction from their Premier League campaign rather than as an opportunity to do well. They might use it as a, as a chance to rotate and rest some of their players. Depending on their lineup, it's it's an opportunity as, as ever there is to, to go out there and try and win a game like this. Yeah, absolutely. I think that I had to hold back the uh, the vomit taste in my mouth as you yeah. spoke. <laughs> and I think the crazy thing is as well to think that only a couple of months ago, um, you know, we sat in the same division and then we're almost uh, conceding that they're a far bigger club than us yeah. now and, um, and, and have such promise. So you talk about the players they brought in. Um, and I guess the caliber of, uh, of personnel they have in their squad, with the signing of Rodrigo and uh, Costa, and they just have still got uh, Bamford. They they really are a, a team that, uh, depending on what side they roll out, um, will be extremely tough to beat. Um, but as you mentioned, the fact that it is so early in the season, um, they still won't know their squad um, or their first squad, I guess, set up. So they're probably going to tinker with that and work out, you know. Who the who the players are that uh, Bisa wants to uh, Belsa, sorry wants to see more of. Um, however, the fact that it is so early in the season, it really is a free hit for us. And I think that uh, on the back of that Gillian victory, there there is no reason why um, we can't turn up against Leeds and and have such an optimistic uh, kind of mindset about uh, playing a big club, uh, playing a, a Premier League club, and um, you know every hope, uh, particularly with the the added uh, rivalry side of things, knowing that it is Leeds. Um, that we couldn't cause them problems. And, um, yeah, I think anything, any kind of positive result or um, even if it's a positive loss would be would be a great opportunity for some really big takeaways for us um, this early on. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and I think um, you, you make the good point that they're still tinkering with their side. They, they lost their opening game, so there could be a chance that they'll, you know, whether they look to play Rodrigo to try and give him a bit of confidence and get his first goal in the lead shirt, um, or whether it, or whether they look to play some of their younger kids, um, they've made a lot of young signings over the off season as well. He'll be around the periphery of their first team squad. They might be looking to play quite a young side. Um, it's gonna be a really interesting one. And then from our side, um, two fullbacks in Coyle and Elder, who I believe are both fit and available now, and and as we sort of said earlier, potentially long as well, could all slot into that side tomorrow. And then we're back to talking about the fact that we do actually have quite a deep squad, that we're rotating our first 11 from the Gillingham victory, but we're actually bringing in players who are arguably first-team calibre. So we start to see a position where, you know, whether it's Magennis and Scott is sort of starting the game and, and then Lewis Potter gets the start in the league or vice versa, we've got first-team... We're not, we're not necessarily going out there playing an under-23 squad to rotate. We've actually got depth in all positions we might see Maya make his first appearance for instance um it's gonna be a, a really interesting look at what how how we line up uh how do, how do you see the lineup for this one yeah i think i genuinely think we can will play with it a little bit i'm not sure that um that we're necessarily targeting a huge cup run or anything of the like mm. i guess the again it's that recalibration idea of um being a league one side what what does it actually mean for us, particularly with the, um, I guess, with the COVID times and and not being able to kind of bank on the gate takings and, and things like that um, with playing those big teams and, and knowing that the flag fall that you can get from that is extremely beneficial to your club. Um, I guess we're just not in the in, in the same kind of business of, of targeting a, a cup run because of um, those things that 
in any other season would be hugely um, huge incentives for us. They just don't seem to be there, um, other than the fact that the confidence that you can get from turning over a Premier League side, particularly one you have a rivalry with, would be um, unreal. So I don't think we're going to see uh, the same side that, that faced Gilliam. I think we will still obviously have um, an eye on the league. But as you said, it's such a good opportunity to see see the depth in the in the squad and see what um, what some of these new players can do uh, against a, a team that um, you know is is of such high caliber in Leeds. Um, yeah, for sure. So, I mean, based on that, do you, uh, you you sort of said earlier you'd be sort of happy with an honourable loss? Do you see that as the most likely outcome? Do you think? I mean, obviously, there's the risk there that they could blow us away, but do you see any chance that we could walk away with the victory? Oh, absolutely. I, I, in no way, shape, or form would I would I write City off, uh, particularly when they haven't had a win for so long and to to start the season with such a positive result against Gilliam. I, I wouldn't discount the all of those things that we've talked about in the fact that Leeds aren't settled yet. They did have an opening day loss, albeit against Liverpool. Uh, there's so many unknowns in this. So um, if there's ever going to be a time to see um, to see City kind of sneak a result of of such great magnitude, I think this definitely could be it. The fact that we're playing this early in the season and not later on, I think also plays into that. Um, I give us every chance and I think that um, it, it's very likely to be a draw or a narrow loss. I think if we were to get blown away, it would be hugely disappointing, um, given the fact that I don't see a huge gulf um, in, in where they're at at this point in time and, and where we are, given the fact we won our opening day. For sure. Um, well, a, a side that didn't win their opening day is uh, Crew Alexandra, who we fl- faced this weekend in our first home league game of the season. Um, they went down to Charlton in the first week, so um, another side that had been relegated alongside us. Um, David Artel's their manager, who's been with them for about three years now, and he's actually been able to aggressively move them up the table from 15th in uh, – well, he kept them up in the first season, then 15th then 12th, and then last season had them promoted from League Two. So um, he's sort of uh, quite an integral part of that team and, and, and manages them quite well, would know the squad inside and out, would have built it himself. Uh, he's not just, you know, sort of a manager that's come in in the last year and, and is still sort of getting to grips with his side. Mm-hmm. Um they, they've they sort of had a mixed start to the season. They beat Bolton in the EFL Trophy and then, as I said, lost to Charlton and then Lincoln City in the League Cup as well. So um, I guess still coming to grips with League One, still sort of um, finding their feet, I guess, um, mixed results in the Cups. Um, but other than that, don't, as we sort of said with Dan last week, it's it's sort of a whole case of getting to know new sides down in League One. Um, we haven't played them in a league game since 2006, so it's quite hard to um, to get a sense of how this game will go, not knowing much about them. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think that until we've kind of seen uh, 10 or 12 games elapse, it's going to be really difficult to make um, a note of particularly where, where these other teams are at, but certainly where we're at. I think that if we um, if we look at the City squad um, right through, um, even players like Scott and Samuelson and, and players like that, that that have still been playing with City, I, I just don't get the feeling that we actually know them uh, too well just yet. I think well, we became accustomed to, particularly with our success under Bruce, of playing players that were really familiar to us um, and, and mm. the like 
you know, we expected Hernandez to score. We knew we had David Myler there. Um, there was just these kind of uh, Andy Dawson, um, Michael Dawson. Um, there was just these mainstay players that uh, we kind of just e- expected would be there. And if, if they weren't, um, we had someone who we'd seen a lot of coming in and, and playing that fold, whereas we've just gone through such a, a sharp decline in, in such a short amount of time that, uh, as you mentioned, it's not so much about necessarily studying the opposition, but it's also a case of us not really knowing what we have. And so um, yeah. and, and until we've watched, um, as I said, a, a decent amount of football, it's going to be really hard as, to make these judgments and, um, and, and set expectations for ourselves um, other than knowing the fact that a lot of the players we do have on the books have got championship experience. And so if that counts for anything, uh, it should pay dividends in League One. Um, although that's a optimistic outlook, um, it, it certainly would suggest that, you know, that that is where we should be looking to um, kind of focus our energy and attain a, at least a top half table finish. Yeah, and look, you make uh, make a really good point. You look at someone like a Lopez is, is a perfect example of that, who's, who was with us for 12 months essentially. And, you know, from from the time of signing until when he left, he became a real mainstay in the side, but he was only with us for the one season. And and the fact that our decline has been so sharp and we've been turning over the squad so significantly almost every year, um, we don't have that sort of settled squad as we used to have. As you said, you know, you'd have your Myler, you'd have Huddleston, you'd have um, El Mahamedy, you know, Curtis Davies. All of those players were with us for such a significant period in our history from that sort of 2013 to 2016 stretch. Um, that we just don't have those sorts of mainstays in the side anymore. And I guess Bowen was perhaps one of the biggest um, cases of that up until recently when we when he was sold. Um, and, and maybe a Lewis Potter or, or Device, I guess, is another one who's sort of starting to fill those roles. But there are so many unknowns in the squad still. And um, that, that, that win against Gillingham really surprised me. I really thought we were going to struggle a lot more than we did. Um, and I think this game against Crewe is going to be a really interesting one facing a side that's been promoted from the division below. I mean, Gillingham are a pretty experienced League One side and, and we swept them aside with relative ease. Um, it'll be interesting to see how we fare against a crew Alexandra at home as well, I think, significantly. Um, if, if it's a game that we can walk away from with a four or five goal margin, I think that puts a huge um, statement of intent out to the rest of the league about what we intend to do in this division. Whereas... If we are to struggle, if it's a draw, if we scrape a win or, or scrape a loss, um, it sort of undoes all of that good work that we put in place last weekend. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the ambition and even being able to say, you know, City in a four or five goal victory is... Um, Tomorrow, whilst, it's, it's been a while. Yeah, whilst it, it might be jumping the gun, I think you're right. There's, there's every possibility that yeah. something like that could happen. Um, and, and if it were to happen what would we then say as far as our expectation goes because it would it would almost reset entirely and um and have us dreaming again which um you know I, I, I struggle to say because it has been such a horrific 12 months um in particular or, and much longer but um particularly the last 12 months with yeah. you know relegation sealing our fate and yeah it's it is really going to be um an interesting part of the journey i guess in the in the life of city the life of a city fan as we as we follow this this kind of unknown world, um, to to say you know what we've got and and what does it take to get out of this league? Yeah, absolutely. So just before we head off, then, um, do you have a score prediction for this game? It's this uh, the score prediction for this is how long is a piece of string? It's it's almost <laughs> impossible to find. But 
I, I'm going to go with, I think it'll be 3-1 three, three, City. Okay, fair enough then. Well, hopefully, look, I think the most important thing is if we can walk away from this with three points. I'll, I'll say similar. I'll say a 2-0, maybe a 3-0 win. I'd really love to see another clean sheet and really start to, to put a marker down for that, you know, sort of defensive solidity that we've we've lacked for quite a while now. And if Ingram and, and the defence can pick up another clean sheet, I think that would be a fantastic start to the season. Um, look, before we go, just as I, as I always say, um, people watching along live or listening later after the fact, you know, if you if you hit the thumbs up button, leave a comment, um, share your support for the for the podcast. That would be fantastic. Um, we do have a Patreon as well. If if you want to sign up to that, um, any sort of support is always um, um, is always well received from us. It'd be a fantastic um, thing to see from everyone. Um, and then, as as one of our live viewers has said. Um, and, and puts it as well as I always do. He says, up the Tigers, and I'll say, come on, City. You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast. For more discussion, join us on Facebook in the Hull City AFC Australian Supporters Group, or follow us on Twitter, at Hull City AFC Oz. The music was created by Amber and Black. There's no turning back, cause you're amber and black till you 